Come on, you can have a seat. Go ahead and tell someone next to you that they sing beautifully tonight. Good to be in the house. Good to be back. Can we thank our worship team one time? Love it. Man, Thursday nights is one of my favorite things in the world, is being with you guys. Y'all doing well? Ready to go? You guys having a good summer so far? Someone said no. I'm sorry. I guess honesty is what we're looking for. Man, last week was, thank you for filling up the front row. I was getting lonely. I was getting <laughs> Last week was amazing. Our 2018 C12 Summerfest it was unbelievable. The rain came and interrupted some plans, uh, but we had a good time. Did you guys have a good time last week? I, um, we had an inflatable outside. We had lots of fun things scheduled for outside, and then it just decided to open up the clouds on us, and uh, thank you, Lord, I guess. But we had a good time inside, ate so much barbecue. I took a whole pan of it home and still eating it, trying to think of, like, how many different ways can you eat barbecue. We had barbecue nachos last night. We've had barbecue tacos. We've had it all. So come to my house if you want some barbecue, I guess. Uh, hey, before we get started into tonight, into uh, our new series uh, called, obviously you can tell we're calling it God Dream. It's going to be a good time. Uh, before we get started, I just want to acknowledge a few people in the room uh, that just got back from an awesome trip. We sent a, a team from our group right here. We sent them out to not like Swanee or Buford or Alabama or something like that. We sent them, all, although Alabama probably needs some Jesus. Um, we, sent, we sent them all the way to Cambodia, sent them all the way to Cambodia, and uh, they were there for, I think it was a total of like 10 days when you count traveling and all that. It was like a 21-hour flight, unbelievable, and so they just got back this week and already hearing some great stories and things that are happening, but uh, and we're gonna, I'm going to bring them up here. We're also sending a team out to Guatemala at the end of the month, and so when that team gets back, we're going to bring both teams up on stage and let them share a little bit about their experience, but if you went to Cambodia... I would love for you to stand to your feet so we can acknowledge you if you were on that trip. Awesome. Love you guys. And I know we had a few more go as well that are not here uh, tonight, but so grateful for you guys and uh, proud of you. And I just so am encouraged by your willingness to say yes to the call of God on your life to go do that. So thank you. You guys ready to go? Not like go home, like get into it. You ready to go? I'm ready to preach. You ready to receive? I'm ready to preach it tonight. I, um, I enjoy, one of the things I enjoy in life, I enjoy studying like different personalities, the differences between how God has created all of us and, and everyone's uniquely different. I halfway enjoy it and I halfway hate it. It's a weird, like, it's a weird contradiction. Um, but recently, recently I was with a team of people and we had to go over our Myers-Briggs. Anybody ever taken the Myers-Briggs test before? It's probably one of the most popular ones. Uh, if you haven't taken it, I encourage you to go take it. It tells you a little bit about your personality and how God wired you. It's one of the most common personality tests, but uh, in the Myers-Briggs personality test, it really kind of puts you, it says there's 16 different personalities. And it, it kind of divides it up based on a few different categories. Uh, one of the categories is uh, extroversion or introversion. You guys probably know which one you are if you're an extrovert or an introvert. Uh, the next one is sensing or intuition. That's the one that is uh, most confusing to me, but you can do your own research on it. Uh, the next one is thinking or feeling. That one kind of makes sense. Are you a thinker or are you a feeler? Those, all the emotional people are the feelers, right? And then... Um, the last one is judging or perceiving, which is kind of like, you know, basically, do you like control over things or do you like to just go with the flow, right? How many of you know which one you are? How many of you are the control freaks in the room? Just go ahead and own it. Awesome. Not just control, but like organize, all that kind of stuff. How many of you are the, man, we only got, you know, we never know when we're going to die. Let's just live today and enjoy today. <laughs> nice, nice. I... Uh, I enjoy kind of studying different people, and, and sometimes, 
Sometimes people will take these tests, especially this one, and they'll come out of it like, man, that thing nailed me to the T. That's exactly who I am, unbelievable. Sometimes you got to take it with a grain of salt. Uh, for me, I get real confused on these. I guess, I guess I don't know really who I am, and I don't know how to take these tests. Not really. I like to tell myself that I'm just a mystery. You can't figure me out. You can't label me. You can't label me to four letters. That's ridiculous. I'm a mystery. I'm bigger than that. Uh, not really. I'm a confusing person. And so uh, some of it is confusing for me, and I feel like I have a different personality when I'm at work and a different personality when I'm at home. It's not that I'm fake. I just I operate differently when I'm in work mode, and I operate differently when I'm in chill mode. For instance, one of the things that I'm learning is... Uh, I'm a, I'm a pretty like logical thinker type person. I like to I like to problem solve. I like to just take one problem at a time and let's let's you know get it down to the T and let me figure out all the details of it and think through all this kind of stuff right in the middle, like right here, right now. Let's get to the bottom of things. I'm not much of a uh, like dreamer type in the future, way out ahead. I'm thinking about, like someone says, uh, what do you plan on doing with your life, you know, five years from now or 10 years from now? I'm like, dude, I got enough problems like on my calendar tomorrow. I have no idea what I'm doing tomorrow. The last thing I want to do is figure out what I'm doing. Like, are you going to be a senior pastor one day? Or something? I'm like, dude, I have no idea. Let's not, why would we even concern ourselves with that? I have no idea what tomorrow holds. Let's just, let's just think about today. Can we think about today? Is that all right? That's me. Um, I'm not much of a visionary, like out in the future, big dreamer type of person. I'd rather just solve today's problems, tomorrow's problems, and uh, leave God up to the details of tomorrow and all that kind of stuff. You see how I just turned it into being more spiritual than all you dreamers? You see that? It's not true. But that's, that's, how, I, that's how I work. Uh, the problem with this is then I read scripture. And I read scriptures like in Jeremiah 29, 11, one of the most famous scriptures of all time. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. I read scriptures, one of my favorites, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. It kind of stirs up a longing in me for God to do something bigger than I can dream. For God to do something with my future that I have not even thought of. For God to do something wild with my life that I can't plan. And then I read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25 through 29. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. That's good news. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise behind, uh, beyond human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, are so that no one may boast before him. Come on, this is some good news. This is encouraging to anybody else. If you've ever felt like, like you were not really that good at something, if you ever felt like you didn't really have much to offer in the world, if you ever felt like you didn't have many talents or you didn't have many dreams, if you've ever felt like that, and as a result, you just kind of settled into an average life, settled into an average dream for what life could bring you, this right here is good news for you. This is the best news. And this, this uh, sermon tonight and this series that we're getting into, man, this is for you. Because I believe with all my heart, this scripture says right here that God can do more with our weakness. That he wants to do way more than we could do. That he wants to take the weak things that we have to offer and make it something strong. He wants to take the lowly things of this earth and make it into something great. And so if you've ever felt like you were one of the I don't have much to offer kinds of people, you are right in the middle of who God wants to use. You're right there. And so I want to beg of you tonight and for the next few weeks to embrace what we're calling a God dream 
for your life. I want to beg of you to embrace a God dream for your life. Not a your dream, not a someone else's dream, a God dream for your life. I believe that the Ephesians 3.20 God is calling us to drop the mentality of, I'll take what I get. These are the cards that have been dealt to me. I just need to be content with what I have and replace it with the mentality of God desires to make much of my life, to use me and to do more through me than I could ever think or imagine. And when you do that, here's what happens. You begin to embrace that settling is not an option. Settling is never an option. That stagnant is not an option. That more is my destination and fuel and faith is my fuel for getting there. Did you catch me? More is my destination. More is my destiny. And faith is the fuel for how I'll get there. This is what I believe God's calling us to. Not a, I'll take what I get. Not a, well, this is just how I was raised. Not a, well, I'm just going to kind of get my degree and see what happens. But a mentality of God wants to use me and make much of my life and do more with me than I could ever think or imagine. Stagnant is not an option. I'm on the move. Somebody tell your neighbor, I got a God dream. Come on, say it with a little more passion. I got a God dream. So for the next few weeks, we're going to uh, talk about what is a God dream and what do you do when you realize you're living in a God dream. I'm excited for it. And we're going to be studying, we're going to be studying one particular guy, and we'll pick up on some other scriptures as well like we have already. But I'm going to walk us through the story of a guy named Joseph in uh, the Old Testament. And so I want to pick up there. If you have your Bibles, great. You can turn there or on your phones, whatever you want to use. And uh, I'm going to read a couple verses from the beginning of the account of Joseph's life. And then uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit. Are you ready? Picking up in Genesis chapter 37, verse one, it says this, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. And this is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the son of Bilhah, I love these names, and the sons of Zilpah, you got to say it right, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he had made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. A bunch of haters. Man, gotta love it. They were all the way back in Genesis 37. Some haters. Verse 5, Joseph had a dream. He had a what? And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood up right while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. <laughs> His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Rightfully so. I mean, Joseph just said you won't bow down to me one day. I, I get it a little bit. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Keep in mind, 11 stars, that was the number of brothers he was talking to. He had 11 brothers. So when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. I just, this is a little side note, not really, doesn't really have anything to do with my message, but when you get a dream, you got to be careful who you share it with. You know, 
you got to be careful who you share it with. Some people aren't the right recipients of what God has given you, what your dream is. Just got to be careful who you share it with, okay? Moving on. Let me just kind of uh, paraphrase what happens in the next few verses here. Basically, you know, Joseph tells his brothers and his father's dream, and then his brothers get super jealous to the point of, of they come to the conclusion, well, we're going to kill Joseph. They just don't like it. They say, we're just going to end him and uh, move on with life because we don't like what his dream is. So instead of killing him, one of the brothers kind of raises his voice and he says, hey guys, let's not do that. He has a little bit of mercy and he says, let's not do that. Let's just put him into a cistern where uh, there, you know, he'll die. Really, the scriptures say that eventually this guy's hope was that he would rescue Joseph. And so they say, okay, we'll deal with that. So they put him into a cistern. It's kind of a deep well. And they put him there really to rot. And uh, it says that as they were, as they put him in the cistern, they were sitting around the cistern, and they see um, along the way comes basically some merchants, some uh, slave owner type people. And so they say, I got an idea. Let's actually sell him. Instead of killing him, let's sell him to these people. They'll just move on with him, and then uh, we'll get some money for him, and that's better than just ending his life. And so they do that. They end up uh, taking the brother's coat that he wore that his father gave to him, and they put animal blood on it. They take it back to Joseph's father, and they say, look, an animal got a hold of Joseph. Uh, he's dead. And then his father basically freaks out and has a, a mourns, obviously, and has a hard time with it. That's essentially what happens uh, in the next few verses. And so uh, in the following weeks, we'll pick up kind of the rest of Joseph's story and what happens from there. But here's what I want to point out to you tonight. Joseph had a dream. Joseph had a dream. And I believe that this wasn't Joseph's first God dream. This wasn't the first God dream that Joseph had. In fact, when we talk about God dream, what is a God dream? Sometimes, like Joseph, God will give you a specific dream for your life, for a career or for what he wants you to do or that kind of thing. I really believe he can show up in your dreams and tell you things. Sometimes that's true. Or he can just put a desire in your heart, a dream like that. But I believe bigger than that, a God dream goes deeper. A God dream is not limited to a specific dream or to a specific goal. It's bigger. A God dream is a lifestyle, not a life goal. A God dream is a lifestyle, not a life goal. It's not a, I hope one day to get a dream for my life. It is more like a, when you became a God follower, when you put your faith in Jesus, you kind of like WWE style tapped into the wrestling match and you said, I'm going to tag into God's dream for my life. So it's not a, I'm praying that God will give me a dream for my life. It's when you became a follower of him, you said, I'm going to tag into what his dream is for me. And so now as a follower of Jesus, you are walking in God's dream for your life. That's the hope. That's the prayer. I want to walk in God's dream. I want you to walk in what God's dream is. A God dream is a lifestyle that understands I'm in the middle of God's dream for my life, not my own dream. I'm in his dream, not my own dream. A God dream is a lifestyle that believes if God knew, if God knew exactly how to get Joseph from the pit to the, spoiler alert, palace, if God knew how to get Joseph from the pit to the palace, then he knows exactly how to get me where he wants me. That's what a God dream is. If he knew how to do it for Joseph, then he knows exactly how to do it for me. A God dream is a lifestyle of surrender where I will experience the more and the most out of life when I am living in God's dream, not my dream. I will experience the more and the most out of life when I'm living in his dream, not my dream. You got to understand that. You got to understand what it means to live a God dream. What it means to be in the middle of a God dream. What it means to be in the middle of living something greater than yourself. Greater than just your plans and your desires. But what happens 
to all of us is two things. One, we get obsessed with our dream that we don't even ask God what his dream is for us. We get obsessed with our dream that we don't even pay attention to maybe what is God's dream for my life? What does it look like to live in his dream? I got dreams, but what does it look like for me to live in? See, we get so obsessed with our dreams that we don't even take time to say, God, what, what, what is your dream for my life? Either we get obsessed or we get overwhelmed. We get overwhelmed with the day-to-day, just mundane stuff, I got to do this, I got to do this, that we quit dreaming or believing that God has more for me than just what I'm doing now. That he wants more for my life than what I'm doing now. That what he has is way more and the most, the best for my life. I think it's just so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day, just habitual. I got to do this. I got to pay my bills. I got to take care of my family. I got to go to school. I got to go to work. I got to do everything. And we just get overwhelmed by that, that we forget to dream and we forget to believe that maybe God wants to do more with my life. And so I want to just give you three things tonight in the remainder of our time. I just want to give you three things. Talk about what does it mean to live out a God dream. What does it mean to live in a God dream? So if you're taking notes, write this down. Living a God dream will require faith for what does not currently exist. If you want to live in a God dream, not an Austin dream, not a Lauren dream, a Trevor dream, if you want to live in a God dream, not your dream, it will require faith for what does not currently exist, what you currently cannot see. Can you imagine what Joseph was thinking when he had these dreams that he would one day be in a powerful position, that people would bow to him, that his brothers would bow to him, that he'd be a ruler of a nation. Could you imagine what was going through his head? A man who was far from royalty, just a regular old guy tending to the flocks with his brothers. Can you imagine what was going through his head? But as we continue to read the story of Joseph, we're going to find out that Joseph had a fierce confidence that he would see his destiny unfold into what God had told him, even though it seemed humanly impossible. Joseph had a fierce confidence that he would see his destiny unfold into what God had shown him and what God had told him, even though to those around him it seemed stupid. I wanted to ask anybody in here tonight if anybody has a fierce confidence that you will one day see your destiny unfold how God has told you it would. Even though it seems humanly impossible, even though it doesn't quite match up with your whatever you got going on right now, even though it doesn't seem like the right steps are ordering, even though it doesn't seem like people believe in you, can you have a confidence that what God has shown you or the dream that he's given you will one day unfold? That's a God dream. I got a God dream. It's not something I can fathom. It's not something that I can just work up. It's not something that I'm even living in right now. It's a dream that I have to have faith that one day what he has said will come true. That one day what he's told me, I'll see. You got to have faith for what doesn't currently exist. And I've got the faith to believe that even though it's not what I'm seeing now, My God is faithful to fulfill his promises in my life. A God dream will require faith for what does not currently exist. When you're living in a God dream, anything is possible. I don't care if you see it right now, if you have no idea how it's going to happen. When you live in a God dream, anything is possible. Number two, living a God dream will form a discontent in you for stagnation. Is stagnation a word? Should have used the dictionary before I came up here. It will form a discontent in you for stagnation. Paul talks in the scripture, the apostle Paul talks about learning to be content with what he has. And he encourages us to be content with what we have. But I believe that oftentimes our journey to contentment sucks the dreamer out of us. 
our desire to be content oftentimes causes us to quit dreaming. Causes us to just say, well, this is what I have. I guess I better just be content and uh, see what happens from here. And we quit dreaming. We quit, we quit believing that God has more. That he has more for my life. That he wants to do more for me. That I'm not called to be stagnant. I'm not called to just stay where I'm at. I'm called to move. Get on the move. Don't get me wrong. Being content is biblical. But it doesn't mean we stop believing God for more in our lives. Contentment keeps me from worry and anxiety and complaining, but it never removes my God dream. Never removes the fact that I'm believing that God has more for my life. That he's not done with me. That this isn't my final. That this isn't where I'm staying. There's something more. Contentment says I'm fully satisfied in Jesus, not in stuff. I'm fully satisfied in Jesus, not in stuff. But a God dream says he's bringing me new things. He has more for me. There's something next. There's something with the next step. I can keep moving. There's more joy. There's more peace. There's more comfort. There's more satisfaction. There's more significance. There's more influence. There's more impact that he has for me. There's something more on the horizon. God, I want to live with a God dream. I don't want to live a, it's just a stagnant lifestyle, believing that this is all that I have. I believe God has more for my life. He had more five years ago. He had more three years ago, a year ago. And he had more for me today than he did for me yesterday. There's always more. I'm content with where I'm at. I'm content with my job, my money, whatever. In fact, you can even take some of that away if you want. You can take away my job. You can take away my money. You can take away family. You can take away everything that brings me comfort. We can take it all away, and I'll still be content. But I believe that God is always in the business of more. Always in the business of more. Some of the most dangerous people in life, I believe, are stagnant people. People that are just staying still. People that aren't believing God for more. If you got a new job, awesome. I'm not saying that you keep job hopping, just looking for the next. and look. I'm saying that you walk in every day to your job believing that he has something more for you at your job. He has another encounter he wants you to have. He has another person that he wants you to bring encouragement to. He has another level of leadership that he wants to take you to. There's more. You don't have to just show up and go through the mundane. There's always more. I believe this with all my heart. The devil can't take away your salvation, but what he can do is make you stagnant in your faith. So some of the most dangerous people are people that get stagnant in faith. And one of the ways that we do this is we just we continue to rely on our salvation story but we got nothing after our salvation story. I love salvation stories. I love hearing about how you came to know Jesus that day that it happened, that moment that it happened, that season that it happened in. But can I just encourage you that if he hasn't done anything for you since then, it's possible that you're stagnant. It's just funny to me whenever, like the one story that people always go back to is, well, when I got saved 10 years ago. That's great. I'll rejoice with you that you got saved 10 years ago. But I want to know, what has he done since then? That's someone who's not stagnant. I want to know, what is he doing now? Did you know one of the best questions that you can ask somebody in life, another believer, is, hey, what, what's God teaching you? What's God teaching you right now? What's God showing you right now? What's he saying to you? Do you know why? Because that stirs up people from being stagnant. And I've had it happen to me before. I've had someone ask me that before, and I went, I don't, I don't really know, honestly. I, like three months ago, I felt like I was going through this, but now, can I encourage you? What's God doing right now in your life? You're not called to a stagnant faith. If, I don't care if you got saved 10 years ago. That's awesome. What, what's God doing in you now? If you got saved 10 months ago, what's God doing in you now? If you got saved 10 days ago, awesome. Let's celebrate that. But what's God doing in you now? 
Don't become stagnant in your faith. God is a God who wants to move things. He wants to get underneath and just shuffle some things around. He wants you to become like on fire. He wants you to become, I don't know any words. I'm just, he wants you to stop being stagnant. Stop being stagnant. Get on the move. What's he doing? A God dream. A God dream keeps me from being stagnant. Because a God dream consists of God activity. A God dream consists of God activity. I don't want a stagnant life. I don't want to get stagnant. I got a God dream. And in a God dream, he's always moving things around. Always believing for the more. I'm always believing for what's next. I'm always believing for how he's going to work at school, how he's going to work in my home. I'm always believing that today, tonight when I go home, he may have lined up a conversation with, for, for me and my mom to have about such and such. I'm always believing that I, he hasn't called me to be stagnant. That's a God dream kind of life. You following with me? Number three. Living a God dream will require surrender to the belief that his dreams are better than your dreams. It will require surrender that his dreams are better than your dreams. Richard, come up. I think, I think this is where most of us miss it. I think this is where most Christians miss out on really living in a God dream. And part of it is just the society that we live in. I mean, as a freshman in high school, you start being, you know, they talk to you about what do you want to do with your life. So you start thinking through career stuff. Like as early as ninth grade, what is that, 14 years old? It's like, come on, man, I don't know. I'm just trying to get through puberty right now. I'm just trying to, like, I'm just trying to figure out why my voice cracks every time I get up on stage. <laughs> still happens and so I think there's something in our like culture that just causes us to start like planning our life and to get all of our ducks in a row you know and to start thinking through what am I going to do with my life how am I going to get there I got to get this kind of GPA I got to follow in this kind of career path I got to you know make sure this happens and this happens I got to go to the right school I got to get the right job all this kind of stuff and we just start kind of like hardwiring people to be robots to get to a career to make money. And I don't know about you, but I just can't remember somebody going, Austin, if you're living in a God dream, his dreams are way better than your dreams. And it's good for you to have dreams. And oftentimes, his dreams will become your dreams. The scriptures say, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And so that's, a, that's the best when they line up. But what is, it, what, is it, what is God's dream for your life? I'm all, I'm all for planning and, and making the right decisions that set you up for a good future. I was talking with some people uh, this week actually. And uh, the verse came up, Proverbs, I think it's 21, yeah, 21, 31. And it says this, the horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. Isn't that a good verse? The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. This is what it's saying. Listen, you got a part to play. You got a job to do. It's wise for you to make plans. It's wise for you to get on a path or on all that kind of stuff. That stuff's not bad. That's good. But ultimately, victory belongs to the Lord. And ultimately, the culmination of my plans belongs to Him. And ultimately, if I get to the end of all this or I get to the middle of all this and the Lord says, uh, let's do a little redirection here. Let's change. Let's change things. I know you thought that was your dream, but let me take you over here to my dream. Let me take you over here to how I'm going to use you. Man, living in a God dream will require you to surrender to his path, not your path. And that's so much harder to do than it is just to talk about, isn't it? 
surrender into his path, not your own path. You've got a job to do, but ultimately, victory belongs to the Lord. The scariest moment of my life, one of the scariest moments of my life that I've had, and uh, for those of you that know me, you probably know the story a little bit, but was uh, when I was in college, was trying to, deter- I, was in my th- I was at my third college. That tells you a lot. I was at my third college trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life and uh, going after a degree that I thought, you know, my dream was to become a physical therapist one day, and, and that was what I was achieving. And then I got into my junior year of college, and I felt like a press on my heart from God going, I'm going to take you I'm going to take you this way. I, I know this is your dream. I know this is what you've been going after. I know this has been your planning. I know this has been what you wrote, wrote down in ninth grade. Like this is what you thought your personality was going to lead you to. I know, I know, I know. But I'm going I'm to take you this way. This is actually the dream that I have for you, Austin. This started my junior year of college. And I started going, I don't think so, Lord. That's a little scary. I don't think I got a lot of reasons why that's not the path for me. I got a, ro- a lot of reasons why uh, that's not in my cards. I got a lot of reasons why I don't think I'm going to be any good at that. I got a lot of reasons. And then on September 11th, 2011, I remember the date very clearly. I was driving home from a church service on a Sunday night and just got to the point this was so heavy on me. The the dream that God was not really, really wasn't my dream yet. It was what God I felt like he was leading me to. And it just became so heavy on my heart that I could not resist it anymore. It became so like real in my mind and, and I could not resist it anymore. I got to the point where I couldn't sleep at night because I was thinking about, is this where God is leading me? And on September 11th, weird date, I know, September 11th, 2011, on my way home from church and I pulled over into a parking lot and I just began to weep And I said, all right, God, if this is what you have for me, if this is where you're leading me, I'm done running. I'm done trying to go my path. I'm done trying to go my way. I'm going to surrender to your way. I'm going to surrender to it. And so right there on that night is when I said, all right, Lord, I want your dream, not my dream. I want your dream, not my dream. Your dream is better. It has more. It has the most. It has the best for my life. I'm going to surrender to it. Went home that night, emailed my entire family because I didn't want to go back on it, you know. I felt like if I slept on it, I may decide not to. So I just had to get it out there. And from that day forward, changed the trajectory of my entire life, saying I'm going to surrender to his dream for me instead of what I thought was my dream for me. And I'd love to stand up here and tell you that it's been all gravy since then, kind of what Zach was saying, that it's been easy that, you know, uh, I haven't ever doubted whether that was the right decision or not. I'd love to tell you that I'm making more money than I would as a physical therapist. I'd love to tell you all that stuff, but uh, it's not true. There has been days that I've doubted. It hasn't been easy. It's required a lot of shift, a lot of change, a lot of hard things. But I'm telling you tonight, I'm a man that is fully confident that I have surrendered to the dream that God has for my life, not my dream. And that's not a once in a lifetime decision. I believe that's an everyday kind of thing too. Like I gotta wake up tomorrow morning and say, all right, Lord, I'm gonna live your dream for me, not my dream. But man, when you get that kind of moment and you surrender and say, all right, God, I'm all yours. I'm done trying to do this on my own. I'm done trying to live my way. I'm done just trying to go after my thing. I want to know, what do you want for my life? I believe that God is trying to raise up some people who are fully surrendered to where he wants to lead them. To live a God dream. Something bigger than I can ever think or imagine. May not be easy. May not be what I got a degree in. may not be what I'm trained in or whatever, but it's a God dream. And his dream is way better than your dream. I can promise you that. And so I want to ask you a few questions tonight. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, we're going to just kind of close things up here. And the band's going to lead us in one last song. But as we get into this um, kind of collection of talks for the next few weeks about what it means to live a God dream and to embrace a God dream on our life and to surrender to it. 
I believe there's a few people that it may be for. The first is the person that we kind of talked about earlier. You're obsessed. You're just so obsessed with your own dream that you're resisting God's dream. Have you ever asked God, what is your dream for me? What is the path you want to take me on? What are you trying to do with me? And perhaps the dream that you're going after is the dream that he's given you. Awesome. But would you dare just be so bold to say, God, is this this your dream for my life? For others like me, you really feel like God is calling you to a dream that you're not pursuing right now and that you've been resisting. And tonight is your pullover in the parking lot moment and surrender. Tonight is your, I'm done trying to resist this. I'm done thinking of all my different options. I'm done trying to figure it all out. I'm just going to surrender to it. I know this is what God is calling me to. I know this is his dream for my life. Tonight is that night for you. And then for some of you, you're just overwhelmed. Some of you have quit dreaming and believing that God has more for your life and you're just content with the day-to-day, the mundane, the habitual things that you're just going through the motions And I want to, with you, I want to pray that he would bring a sort of awakening to you. That he would kind of put something into your chest to just shock a revival through your veins to say, I'm done doing the mundane. I'm done just going through the motions. I want to live for the more. I want to believe for the more. I want to walk in every day believing that God has more for me, that this is not it, he's not done, that there's more joy, there's more peace, there's more life, there's more surrender, there's more satisfaction, there's more significance for me to take a hold of. Can I encourage you tonight to ask God to bring an awakening to your soul and to your life? to awaken a dream in you, to awaken a life where you live a God dream, not a your dream. And so, Father, we pray that tonight, each one of us, God, it's our passion, our desire to be a part of something so much bigger than ourselves, to be a part of something that goes beyond our own talents, that goes beyond our abilities to be a part of something that is in line with what you want to do with our lives. And so, Lord, I ask that you would bring an awakening to us, that you would awaken dreams in us, that you would awaken us to the more that you want for our lives. Lord, I ask that you would... uh, turn doubters into believers tonight, that you would turn us into believers, that you can do more with us than we could ever think, that you would turn us into believers, that your dream is better than our dream, that you would turn us into surrenderers, people who surrender to your dream over our dream. And may we be a group of people completely surrendered to what you would have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's stand together and sing.
want to ask us just to lead that again, that chorus. And I want you just to make this um, your prayer, just individually. Lord, let your glory fall on me. Bring an awakening to me. Bring me a dream. Bring me a level of surrender that I've yet to go to. Bring me the courage to step out, to live a God dream when it seems humanly impossible. Why don't you just make it your prayer tonight? Can we sing that chorus just one last time? Let's keep singing it. Sing it one more time. pray that you would do just that, that you would bring an awakening to us. Lord, in this room are 18 to 25-year-olds, a bunch of them. And Lord, many of them are longing to live a God dream. Many of them are longing to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Lord, many of them are longing to do what you want to do, not what they want to do. And so, Lord, I pray that you would supernaturally just begin to speak. And, Lord, I pray that your sovereign hand would begin to just confirm some things in their life. And, Lord, in your kindness, that you would just remind them that you are near and that you're walking with them that you haven't left them and that you've been faithful and there's no reason why you'll stop being faithful now. Lord, remind them of that. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.